Thanks for leading us in that, Justin. It's always good for us to, um, you know, as human beings, we get in, get in the groove sometimes, sometimes we don't, and it's good for us just to, to mix it up a little bit, that way we're, we're not doing things for the sake of doing things, but we remember, right? That's, that's why we, um, we take the, the Lord's Supper to be able <clears throat> to remind ourselves, and uh, we take it together. I, I think sometimes, um, because we've been raised in a, an environment, I think rightly so, to, to respect the Lord in doing that, I do think there's a time where, um, and, and not to call them out, but our deacons, they were serving each other and they were smiling and laughing and, and not in a disrespectful way at all, but I, I like that, right? That we're reminding ourselves in joy that when Christ shed his blood, he just didn't do it for me, he did it for you, right? And he just didn't did it for you and me, he did it for people in the Dominican Republic, he did it for people in Iceland and Japan and people all over this world. And that's where I want us to take our minds this morning. So take your Bible, let's go to Psalm 67. We're continuing Psalms of Summer, continuing uh, looking at different Psalms as uh, a few more weeks, and then we will, our plan is to pick up the book of Acts um, back in chapter 8 um, when, when school starts. As you're, as you're flipping there, interesting question um, came in this week, uh, and, and, I, and I kind of pushed it to the front of the line for the simple reason that I felt like it, um, it dealt with what we're talking about today and with the next three weeks with our different teams sharing about what they've seen on the mission field and uh, how they've, they've served. Here's the question, because you'll see where it fits in real quick. Were gods, little g, gods in the Bible, real beings that had power? Though obviously they are less than God, capital G, and are only given any sort of power through God's authority? Or were these gods completely fictional and imaginary? Great question. And what I want you to, to think about, because this is where we're going to go in Psalm 67, the Bible over and over again mentions many different types of little g gods. For instance, Scripture says in numerous places that these gods exist at least in people's minds. Psalm 67, five. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 25. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Now regarding whether or not there is only one God or are there many gods, the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Jeremiah who spoke a lot about false gods and, and idolatry, he says this in Jeremiah chapter 10, but the Lord is the true God, he is the living God and the everlasting King. The gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. So check this out. Scripture teaches there is only one God. Amen? We're not just monotheists that we believe in one God, like we looked at last week in Psalm 103. We don't believe in God generic. We believe in God specific. God is the Lord, or the Lord is God, who's revealed himself. But... What are, or almost what's behind all these different gods? 
Scripture is pretty clear. The gods of the nations, whether they be Allah or Shiva or the gods of the Old Testament, Baal and Molech, listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 16 or chapter 32 verse 16 says. They stirred God or the Lord to jealousy with strange gods. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. Paul says in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, he says this, what I imply is that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. Book of Revelation chapter 9, verse 20, speaks about people who worship idols. The rest of mankind did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Scripture teaches us that those who do not worship the living and true God in actuality are worshiping demons, evil forces. And Satan's job is to blind the minds of unbelievers to keep them from believing the gospel. And so what we find ourselves, really, all of humanity is either worshiping the one true living God revealed in Jesus Christ, or they're not. And if they're not, guess what? They have believed regardless of what that belief system is, they have believed a false faith that will never save. Because let's be honest, if you take all world belief systems and you separate them, everything despite the text, the figure, the belief, where it came from, when it came from, it is salvation by works. Let me try to reach up by my devotion to save myself. And over here exclusively is only one that is by grace through faith in what God has done for me in Jesus. That's what makes the gospel exclusive. It's the only message in the world that says, I can't reach up, so God came down, and God did for me what I could not do for myself. So what that means is, when we go to Psalm 67 this morning, and we think about what Riley and Courtney shared, and we think about what Scripture is teaching us, this psalm is what as many people have called the missionary psalm, or the missionary hymn. I want to call it this morning the missionary prayer of God's people. Uh, probably about, I'm thinking it was probably nine years ago, I woke up in a village about 6 a.m. I was at 10,000 feet in the Himalayas in North India, and uh, I'd slept good because we were at a guest house, and they had actually fixed us banana pancakes the night before, and there's nothing like a Himalayan banana pancake cooked over the fire. And I woke up. Some people traveling with me, they were, they were still asleep. And I went outside, and it was cold. It was November. Um, I was looking out as the sun began to hit these snow peaks of 20,000-foot uh, range there in, in the Himalayas. And I looked down on this village, and this village was a popular trekking destination, primarily because they had marijuana everywhere. And you've never seen, like, a mountain village until you see like three, three-year-olds rolling out marijuana for their parents to sell trekkers that come through. But there was a deeper issue than that. This village particularly, they believed they were completely different. And there was some, some 
historical stuff going into that that they did look differently. But one of the things they said was, one of the, the myths or the legends of their village was is that the language of their village had been passed down by demons. That's what they said. And they had three temples in the village and they had this high priest dude that kind of wore this white hat and he walked all around. And the night before, we had openly shared the gospel and for the first time, at least of some people that had been in the village, the people at least listened. And I woke up that morning and I'm looking down on this village that's just dirty and muddy. And when you hear them talk to each other, you're like, yeah, if demons can talk, that's what they sound like. You know what I mean? Just like, ah, that is just, it's just, 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 everything about the place was just different. And I'm looking down at the village and I'm looking up to these perfect mountain view with just the beauty of it. And it was such a contrast. And I remember there reading my Bible and looking over this village and I began to say, Lord, you are worthy to receive these people's worship. That's being directed right now at idols, at demons, at false faith. And it's created this just environment where it's just chaotic and dirty and people aren't viewed with dignity and worth. And I remember that morning, I just began to pray. And when I read Psalm 67, that experience plus many more comes to our minds. Let's, let's read the Psalm together. It's fairly short. I only got through five verses last week, so maybe I get through seven this week, all right? Psalm 67, to the choir master with string instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The missionary prayer of God's people. This, this psalm has been called, I, I, would, I would think rightly so, maybe the great commission of the Old Testament. It's the way that God's people, regardless of Old or New Testament, should view the unbelieving world. It is basically if you were to rip open the heart of who we are called to be, this is what would beat inside of God's people. John Piper, with the famous quote many years ago, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. The reason that you and I are called to go and make disciples of all nations is because in those nations, there exist billions of people that do not know the living God. And there exist billions of people that will live and die without hearing of the living God. And so this passage, which I love in the Old Testament, was given as a reminder to God's people of their responsibility as the people of God. Notice, right after you see Psalm 67, you will see that it is to the choir master. Remember, Psalms like this, where the writer of the Psalm 
requesting to the worship leaders, sing this often. This is intended to be a public psalm. This is intended to be in your worship sets quite often. Like that song we just sang, All Hail King Jesus, like that, dude, that's one of my favorites. Like I just, my favorite line in that song is, in a dark, cold tomb where our Lord was laid. I'm like, wow, like our Lord full of glory was laid in a cold tomb and he conquered it, amen? This is what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, sing this often, remind yourself of this, embrace this as who you are. It is a psalm and it is a song. Now, I want to throw up, because this is important, I want to throw up on the screen for you the flow of this psalm. Now, this is important. Now, I've got it indented on purpose. This is the flow of the psalm. Notice that the first point and the fifth point are the same. Notice the second point and the fourth point are the same. And what this is, this is the psalmist keeping a flow of the psalm where the central part of the psalm is verse four. If you just look, leave it up there for a second, Brian, but if you'll look at your, your Bible, you'll notice, and, and I'm not a musician, y'all know that, but if you'll notice, verse one, verse two, verse three, they're, just, they're two lines. Verse five, verse six, verse seven, they're two lines. What is verse four? It's three lines. That's the way the prose works. That's the way the flow works. That's the way the psalm was meant to be sung so that we would work ourselves with two requests to God and then a central focus of what we want to see happen, our heart expressed, and then as we zoom back out, we're saying the same thing in a different way. That's how the psalm works. So what you see is at the beginning and the end of the psalm, it's asking God for blessing. Now we'll see why blessing here in just a moment. But you'll see the second and the fourth part of the psalm, or verse three and verse five say the same thing. It's a prayer for all peoples on the earth. And the central aspect of the song is, psalm is, we want the best for the nations, and the best for the nations is that they realize that the Lord is king. That the Lord is who they were created for. It's important to see this, and, and I would just encourage you as, you, as you read scripture sometimes, look, look for things like that, okay? Because that's the way of them where we would do like bold, italics, underline, all caps. You got somebody in your family that texts in all caps. You're like, dude, stop yelling. They're like, I'm not yelling. You're like, no, since like 2005 when you type in all caps, you're yelling, right? You know, you know how we get as a culture, we draw attention to things. This is the psalmist's way of drawing attention so that you see what he's after. So because I'm viewing this as a prayer this morning, I just want to give you three main truths or three main requests from this psalm. What is the missionary prayer of God's people? First and foremost, we see in verses one and two, here's the request. God, bless us so that the nations may know you. God, bless us so that the nations may know you. Notice the request in verse one. May God, that's Elohim, may God be gracious to us. That's the first request. May he bless us and may he make his face shine upon us. And then you have inserted Selah. We've talked about this this summer, may have mentioned it one or two times. Selah is a, probably a musical term to like stop. And it was probably like intended in a practical way for them to, to change like the musical arrangement or the strings. 
But for the reader who's not singing, who is reading it, it's like, stop. Don't collaborate, don't listen. I just had to say that. That's where my mind went. I'm sorry. Stop. Pause. Think. And what the psalmist is saying here is, God, would you please continue to treat us a certain way? In grace, in blessing, but make your face Put light upon us. Radiate us with who you are. Now, if you, you'll read that, a few verses come to mind. First and foremost is like the blessing of Aaron in Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face, what? Shine upon you and give you peace. It, that, that's, that's what this is. I mean, that's where the psalmist's mind is going. That's what he's saying. He's, he's, the, the, the idea is God blesses us not with material blessings because material blessings... If that was only the blessing that God would give us, it would sell us short. God just doesn't bless us with, with help like we read last, last week, forget not his benefits, or forgiveness, because what if you lived a forgiven life, a happy life, a healthy life, a, a life where you didn't have to worry about paying your bills, and yet you didn't have the presence of God? What would happen if you went to heaven, but God wasn't there? What the text is saying is, is that the ultimate blessing of God is himself. The ultimate blessing that God can give us is the light of his presence. And so, with that said, God, give us yourself, bless us with yourself. Many times in, in blessing, though, even, even the, spiritual, like the, the, the spiritual motive to, I want God for God. I, I don't want God just to get me out of hell. I don't want God just so I can have peace. Like, I want God for God. Amen. In a consumeristic society that's self-indulgent, focused on self, we have to remind Christians that God doesn't exist for us. We exist for him. But there's a trap there, too. And the trap there is that we think as great as the blessing is that we can know God, that God has come to us, that God has visited us in Christ, that God has opened our eyes and God has unstopped our ears and we see clearly and we are, our lives are being changed to reflect who God is, let's just keep it in-house. If you read the New Testament, what we're about to get in Acts, they, they did that, didn't they? Like, they're just keeping this thing in Jerusalem. And where did we finish in Acts? the martyrdom of Stephen and where we literally left off and where we'll pick back up, God had to send persecution to Jerusalem to get them out of Jerusalem. And oftentimes, we can be so amazed that God would stoop and condescend to save us and reveal himself to us. And you know what? Party stays right here. That's why there's a verse 2. God bless us and be gracious to us and make your face shine upon us. Why? That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. If you go all the way back, like when did Israel begin? Like go all the way back to the call of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. God says, hey, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to show you the land that you're going to go to. I'm going to multiply you. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so 
The creation of Israel was not just for God to say, y'all my fam, y'all my people, you're my kingdom of priests, and that's it. No, the reason for Israel was to raise up a people to represent God and demonstrate who he was to the ends of the earth, so then one day Messiah would come from that people. You see, Israel, although the law was given exclusively to Israel, the, the covenants were given exclusively to Israel, it wasn't for Israel to keep it to themselves. It was for Israel to be a light to the nations. Right before David knocked down Goliath, you remember what he said? Like BC smack talk. I'm going to knock you down this day. I'm going to cut off your head. Why? So that all the nations will know that there's a God in Israel. And the identity and purpose of Israel was to give light to the rest of the world. And so the psalmist is saying, listen, we want God to bless us so that all the nations may be blessed because God has blessed us us. I wrote a few things down. We, we cannot take a God we do not know to the nations. We cannot take a God we do not know to the nations. Even inside Israel, guess what? There were people that belonged to physical Israel that did not spiritually belong to God. We see it all throughout the Exodus narrative. We see it you know, in, in Joshua and Judges. We see these people. They weren't like burning down the tabernacle, but they were worshiping the gods of the, the nations in between Sabbaths. And here's the thing. In every Christian... The uniqueness of the genuine born-again Christian is that they know God. Not that they know God through somebody else. Not that they know about God because somebody taught them something in Sunday school. Not because they've walked an aisle or prayed a prayer or been baptized. It is because they have been brought to life and they know God. And what I find is, is that some people have no desire for the nations because they don't know God. One more thing under this. We cannot take a God we do not know to the nations. We will not take a God to the nations that we ourselves do not consider worthy to be taken to the nations. Like, does God excite us? Like, as an American, do you, do you really believe that you need him? I mean, you got 5G, I mean, the other day I was on the phone with a buddy going to pay my bill at Calhoun Water. And I said, hey, I got to get off the phone. He's like, why? I said, I got to pay a water bill. He's like, dude, it's 2022. Pay your bill on your phone. I was like, dude, this is how I do it. Leave me alone. It's the only bill I can't pay on my phone, right? But everything else, I not only have to, I'm not like my dad and like pulling out like the, the card in the wallet, like with all the passwords written down, you know what I'm talking about? Like I got a keychain. We have to ask ourselves, like, practically, what do we need God for? And if we have to ask ourselves that question and we begin to think about it, perhaps we're not as stoked and excited and thrilled and consider God worthy of being taken to the nations. It's not him. It would be our small thoughts of him. And this is what I see the psalmist saying. Because God's gracious because he blesses me with himself, because he makes his face to shine upon me, guess what? I want his way taken to the nations. I want the nations to know of his saving power. 
His way would be his law, his commandments. His saving power would be bringing the nations out of idolatry, bringing the nations out of darkness. Why? So that they would know him. So here's what we have to remind ourselves. The reason that God blesses us is for us to bless the nations with knowledge of God. So here's, here's the prayer. Lord, God, bless us that the nations may know you. And this is, when, when I'm hanging with students, a lot of times I'll look out and I will, I'll say a few things like this. I hope that God calls half of y'all to be missionaries in deserts, in jungles, in cities. And I hope God makes the rest of y'all like wealthy people to fund the mission. Here's the thing. Whatever we find ourselves in life, however much money is in our bank accounts, whatever we find ourselves doing, all of us as God's people must be and should be cooperating with God in his mission to save all peoples. And you know what? If that's two mites in the coffer because that's all you can give, guess what? It's more than the greatest check that can ever be written out. If it's saying, like when we announced the DR team, Courtney and Will came, they said, hey, we'd like to go, okay? Like, how many Edwards? Oh, all four of us. All right, let's go. Let's go. Josiah comes to me and he says, well, Emily's going to Orlando with the students, and I'm not staying at home while she goes to serve. I'm going to serve in the DR. And all of a sudden, we have like a mechanic on the mission team, which is very important, Right? And then Lauren Thompson comes and says, hey, I'm a nursing student and I want to help with medical. We're like, like this is crazy, you know? And then you, you put the, it, this is what's, what's, what's crazy is that God's people, when they realize what the mission of God is, it doesn't matter how they will serve, they just want to serve. And the mission of God is not just on streets in the Dominican Republic or the Himalayas in India. The mission of God is right where you live every single day. But you've got to ask the Lord this way, this, this prayer, God, help me see the nations like you do. It's your way to be known. We've got to move on. Second prayer request. God, let all peoples joy in praising you as King, verse three and verse five. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. There's a reason there why it's peoples, plural. In the Hebrew, this is like, would be a term of like father's relatives or related peoples. Up until like the mid-70s, missiologists looked at the world and would talk about it, the unreached people that needed the gospel. You would think about it in like, like nations, like, like countries, but when you start dealing with countries, guess what? You got lots of people that although they're, you know, whatever, they're, they, they may not have the same language. Like, like in India, I mean, you got 16 national languages. You got 1,500 varieties of like mother tongues. Everybody will speak two or three languages. I mean, you truly want to feel like a dummy as an American. Go, go to India and you meet like a five-year-old that speaks like three languages or four languages. We have a joke that says if you speak three languages, you're trilingual. If you speak two languages, you're bilingual. If you speak one language, you're an American. Like, that's how it works. And so in the 1970s, missiologists started to say, we, we can't approach the world like that. And so this, this shift went to a word that you hear us talk about a lot, like people groups. Like, how do we view the nations 
peoples with, the, with, the, the, with, with common denominators, and it could be language, it could be geography, but, but what are the ways that we can get the gospel to the most people that have the most alike? And so that's the way it seems as if Scripture views people, not in a nationality citizenship, but in the diversity of culture and language and geography across the world. And the psalmist is saying here, as a Jew, he would just be thinking of all those Gentiles. I want them to praise you, O God. I want all of them to praise you. And then he says in verse 4, which is the central part of the psalm, I want the nations to be glad and sing for joy because you, God, you judge with equity. You guide the nations upon earth. This prayer is, God, let all the peoples join joy and praise you as king. I want to throw this up real quick. There's a website called Joshua Project. You should, should check it out sometime. We can pull that up here, Brian, just a second. This is what we call global statistics right now. So chart on the, the left, numbers on the right. I got to go to numbers. If you look right now on earth, there's, there's almost 8 billion people. That's the top line. Of that 8 billion people, there's 17,428 people groups that we know. Go to unreached people groups. By unreached, we mean there are not enough believing Christians in that people group in order to reach that people group. Okay? Doesn't mean that everybody in that people group is unsaved. We have a, a term under that called unengaged, which means they don't really have access to the gospel. Of the 7.91 billion people on earth, 3.34 billion people live in these unreached people groups, which is 7,415 people groups. People that speak different languages, people that look differently, people that have different cultures and customs. And so you look at that right now, guess what? We would consider 40% of people that live on earth right now unreached. And the only way that we reach them is to begin to pray like this. Lord, we want all peoples to know you as the king. And you see, this is how it works. You're in a country like Chad. And you meet a Muslim who bows to Mecca every day of his life because that's what he's been told will appease Allah. And he hears the message of a king who doesn't demand just service, but who came down and served him with his life. He comes to faith in Christ and he realizes that this is the true king. John Stockhill told a story one time in China that as they shared the gospel with this lady, she was blown away to the point in tears. She said, this is the song my soul has wanted to sing my entire life. That people realize that the Lord is God. That all of these false beliefs and false gods could never satisfy, could never be appeased. And so in our hearts we cry out, Lord, let all the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples come to know you because you guide nations upon the earth. This verse 4 also looks forward to the day when Jesus will reign in the flesh on this earth as the king of all the earth and 
It causes us to look into eternity like Revelation 7 says that one day before the throne will be people from every tongue, every tribe, every language, every people group. And we will be shouting with one voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. God, let all people's joy in praising you as king. Finally, this last prayer request. God, we, we humbly expect you to work from here to the ends of the earth. Notice the confidence in verse 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Verse 1 and 2, God, would you please bless us? Verse 6 and 7, hey, he's going to do it. Confidence. But expectation, humble expectation. And notice what he says. I mean, I love this. This is because this is like a past tense right here. Verse, verse six, the earth has yielded its increase just as the crops have come up, just as God has been faithful to raise from the physical ground, physical crops. So as I look out into the horizon, guess what? There will come a day when all the earth will proclaim the glory of the God of Israel. Do we expect God to work when we wake up? Do we expect God to work when we, get, when we, when we go to work? <laughs> Do we expect like the mundane things of life that this great God is using us to proclaim his way? I'll be honest. I mean, this is where I'm convicted about. Because like, this is all I read about like all the time. Like this is my life right now. I just read books and write papers and get criticized for writing in passive voice and told to write in active voice. Some of you are like, you don't know what that is. Good. Just do your thing. This is all I do. And for me, how this text hits me is that Psalm 67 can't be just something to be academically studied. It's a prayer from the depths of my heart to be prayed and lived out. And guess what? I want Crosspoint Church to be a church whose heart desires for the nations to come to know our God. This is not something we keep in house. His greatness. The, the heavens can't hold his glory, much less us say, eh, I'm getting in. Don't really care about anybody else. No. This is where we start praying in this way. God, we humbly expect you to work here to the ends of the earth. Pray, pray for me. I'm, I'm planning on trying to go in October back to South Asia. If you think about that, and I'll be moving around, working a few different places. If you want to tag along, like not a lot of people, but maybe one or two people want to tag along, hit me up, okay? Don't, 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 you, don't you want to be a part of a church where we find ourselves in five years deploying people all over the globe? In 10 years deploying people? And not just the globe, like the county. Like I had a text from Grant. Grant Staples texted me during worship, Okay. Do you know what he's texting me about? Like, pray for us, dude. We got 50 volunteers in this week. Like, we're doing this stuff. Like, like, I love that. Like, sending people, people coming here. I mean, don't you think, like, sovereignly, God's allowed all these people from out of the country and all over the, the country to come to our little town so that perhaps we can interact with them and perhaps they can know the way of the Lord? Don't you think? Shouldn't have happened in Laurel, Mississippi, but it did, right? This is the prayer. This is where it starts. So what am I trying to say this morning? I, I want this to be my prayer. I, I want this to be our prayer. I want us to view the nations as the place to proclaim God's glory. 
David Livingston, who was a missionary to Africa. He was the first man to, to cross the width of Africa. He discovered Victoria Falls. If you don't know much about Livingston, the reason that Livingston left a very privileged life in England was he wanted to go explore and map out the continent of Africa so that missionaries could come in behind and be able to share the gospel. Of course, this is the famous story. The, uh, the man found him in his tent and said, what? Dr. Livingston, I presume. Michael already said it once this morning. A year before he died, he, he woke up on his birthday and he wrote in his journal, my Jesus, it's my birthday. It's a reminder that my heart, my life, my all, I give again to you for this upcoming year. A few years before that, he was in England and he was sharing with the students at Cambridge University. And at this point, Livingston had suffered greatly in, in Africa. He had been mauled by an animal. He had suffered malaria countless times, been sick, and he'd given up like so much wealth and prestige in England. And so in this speech he gave at Cambridge, he said, for my own part, I never cease to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Is it a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward and healthy activity? The consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger, now and then, with a foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink, but let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. He would later say, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? And so as we approach the Psalms, man, comfort. The ability to express our emotions in the presence of God. But man, this reminder to the choir master, sing it often. Bring it before your mind, bring it before your soul. The reason that God has blessed us with knowledge of him is for the nations through us to come to know him. I can't just go through and apply that line by line by line. I trust the spirit to do that. That's one of the reasons when we laid out our new mission statement, vision statement as a church, we exist to bring God glory by committing ourselves to God's truth, God's people, and God's mission. Because we want to be a church that says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Lord, I pray from my heart, this will be more than preacher talk. This will be more than academic study. This will be more than theory. Lord, I'm just, I'm asking again just for a fresh burden for the nations. God, I want you to help us see the nations. Even when you bring them to our back door. So 
Lord, I just, I ask, Holy Spirit, you would apply this in our hearts. Give us that type of vision for your mission. And then we wouldn't want the blessing just to stop with us. We want the blessing of the gospel in our life to, to bless others with the gospel that they may come to know you. So I pray your word will find good soil in our hearts. Produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Church, as we sit before the Lord this morning, just uh, maybe you need to just to ask him to give you that type of Psalm 67 heart. To lift up your eyes and see the fields white for harvest in your neighborhood, in your, in your town, in your state, but in the nations. It may just be just again to tell the Lord like Livingston did Jesus. My life is yours. I want your mission to be my mission and, and whatever way I play in that, would you please use me for your glory? I'm going to pray and we're going to stand and sing. If you just need to continue to sit and pray. or I'll be at the back if you need to counsel or need to speak to someone. If you don't need, or if, if, if you don't know this great God, you can know him today through Christ. Father, thank you for the scriptures. Please just work them in our hearts. For the glory of your name in the nations. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lead us, Daniel. Let's stand, y'all.